Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with Jeremiah Stringer, the king of Kentucky backpacking. The, Jeremiah, the beard's already starting to grow back, man. Yeah, you know what? It grows a little bit more every day, half inch a month, baby. So we are on our way back out. Bridget's loving it, though. Really? She's loving that it's growing back? No. She says, oh. I love, I can see your face. This is the face I fell in love with. You keep saying that. You just like to say that, don't you? She's in love, man. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I we, think we all are, Jeremiah. Can't choose we who are. we love, you know. So I got to watch some videos this this uh, this fine day from yourself and Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir. Oh, and, yes. And uh, from your Grayson Highlands adventure uh, this past, or a couple weekends ago. Uh, really interesting stuff there, man. It was kind of cold there, wasn't it? I disguised mine as a hack video. Did you see that? You did. You did. <laughs> I, I noticed that. For those, I noticed that. For people that don't know, sometimes it's a little hard to uh, get people to watch your trip videos. So if you just lie to them and say it's a talking head video, <laughs> <laughs> they'll. Uh... If, you're, if you're deceitful, then you can get people to watch your videos. Got to be a little bit quick, baby. That's very clickbaity. So okay, so uh, Jeremiah, uh-huh. we're just gonna we're just gonna get right to it. There's no sponsor tonight. No, so we got no sponsored section to do. We are getting ready to bring in a person who has been on here as m- many times as anybody else in oh, the history yeah. show. This is fourth time on the backpacking podcast. Record setter. He is a record, record setter. setter. Also a record setter on foot. Man, this guy walks a lot. Oh my gosh. How many miles has this guy hiked? This is the this is this guy right here that that we're about to have on this podcast. Rumi Kenrick is genuinely a professional backpacker. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. He is professional he's, with a capital P. He's doing everything the rest of us wish we could do. It's pretty awesome. And so well, let's go ahead and bring on our good friend of the show, Mr. Rumi Kenrick. How are you, sir? <laughs> Hi guys! Oh, so good to see you, um, as always. Yeah, yeah man, so you've mutual. been busy, haven't you? You know, it's the journey that never ends, and uh, I'm delighted by that most days. And so I came into Bend, Oregon, where I started in 2019 on the American Perimeter Trail, and so I walked into Bend and. Uh, that was back the that was the first week in october so it was october 8th and i had a lot of administrative work to do uh with the conference and um i'm the executive director so uh, i really appreciate that part of my life as well and things all happened started happening very quickly so bend is my hometown and i was only there like a little bit over 24 hours I thought it was going to be there for a couple months. A quick turnaround. 
Yeah, little did I know there was other plans for me. And so uh, I caught a ride to Montana and I went with Wilderness Mindset Productions who are who's doing a documentary about the American Perimeter Trail. Wow. And so I was with them for a while. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, they just completed a documentary on, on Greybeard, who used to be the oldest man to, that had hiked the Appalachian Trail. And he just completed paddling down the Mississippi for the second time this past year. So they just released a documentary on him. Oh, Rue, I have to tell you something. Yeah. That's actually, oh, that's actually a bucket list for me. Uh, paddling oh, the Mississippi okay. River is actually like a bucket list item for me. I've got a buddy. We've talked about it multiple times. What? And we just never pulled the trigger on it because you got it's like three months to do it, right? It's, I think it takes yeah. like three months to do it. And I've got kids and a wife and pull it, getting away for three months is really hard but we even talked about like maybe doing it like two week sections over mm -hmm. a course of time but man that's paddling the mississippi is one of those things i've always wanted to do that just sounds I like may, a blast i may have some people you want to speak with then so uh yeah and check out the documentary so Absolutely. Um, uh and uh after i was Done there, I continued on to Michigan, which is, I went to where the North Country Trail Association has their headquarters in Lowell, Michigan. And that's also very close to the location of the first ever American Perimeter Trail shelter. So you've got your own shelter I, starting to be built. Yeah. Yeah, wow. we do. Um, so that was great to go see it. Uh, the gentleman who its name is Buck Huff, and he's a member uh, and a volunteer, and uh, it's it's wonderful. It's made out of an old corn bin. It's got a wood stove in it and beds and um, a sink you can wow. use as electricity, and it's great. So check that out at Been Walking on Facebook if you want to see pictures of that. You're going to be really impressed. It's all reclaimed material. All that is the awesome. Whole thing. What are you going to name the uh, shelter? Oh, it's called Bin Walking uh, oh, okay. because it's made out of it's made out of an old grain bin. It's recycled old, like really old, older than me, grain bin. And so it's Bin Walking, two words, and Bin is spelled B-I-N. So Bin Walking. That's clever. Great. And it's really and, you know it's it, it's been fun. Um, the American Perimeter Trail goes past the shelter, but the North Country Trail does not. So oh. the North Country National Scenic Trail actually moved on to the American Perimeter Trail so they could go past the shelter. Wow. So you of, actually yeah. got the North Country Trail rerouted. You know, I'm not going to take credit for all that. Well, I mean, it, went to take committee. it. Take it. Just take <laughs> it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take okay. it. Okay. I inspire things to happen, but I don't. That's right. I take, I take credit. I take credit for very little of it. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's amazing what a small group of people can do. You, you know, think, it reminds uh, yeah. me of that that quote from Margaret Mead about uh, a small group of people changing the world, um, of like-minded people to change the world. And she says, in fact, it's the only thing that ever has. So uh, we see that, I see these kind of affirmations of my dream and what I've tried to inspire and accomplish out here 
all the time. And um, it's, you know, people often ask like, how are you getting this done and that done? And um, I like to be the person to put things in motion. Uh, I like to be the person who's kind of the brainchild. Obviously I did a lot of the legwork and, uh, but really it's, you know, it's a community effort as it has to be if you're involved in something like this. So, but, but what's it like uh, to, um, to have a dream for something mm. and something you're thinking is so much bigger than yourself and it almost feels unattainable. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden it's attainable. Mm. What does that feel like for you? Oh my. You know, I still keep waiting for that moment when it feels like I can rest. So <laughs> I keep waiting for it. Retirement's a myth, bro. I just keep waiting like for that day where I can be like, we've gotten to this point, you know, um, yeah. I can, um, and get uh like for instance maybe like mauled by like a bull or something uh you know just mauled like horribly uh i'm talking like a coma for possibly six months six to eight months <laughs> just a little rain tube you know like the whole thing like it doesn't turn out well so we have to let me go and like everything turns out even you know if i'm not around like i dream of that day so well, I'm um, not going to dream no. of a day when you get mauled by a bull. I'm yeah, just going to be honest with you. That's not something I'm looking forward to having happen. Just between you and me. Okay. Well, we'll leave out the bull part, but, but the thing is, it's like, I always feel like I have more to do. And so it is like a process that never ends. And I signed up for this to be my life's work. Um, mm -hmm. I think there was like a thought that when I actually started, stopped backpacking, then it was done. But actually that's when the real work, began right. uh and so you know and the hiking just it i thought i was like i said i thought i was done for the winter and i ended up getting an opportunity uh i ended up yeah i got an opportunity to, to go hike through florida which i did so i'm just back from that so this whole time i thought i was going to be in the front country i've learned how to work from the back country so that works out okay um but so yeah, I just hiked the length of Florida and I'm in the Carolinas briefly right now, but I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go do some, do some work uh, uh, for the APT. So I'm wanting to talk so to I'll you. Be back, I'll be back out again. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the Florida trail before I do. I just want to, just in case um, people aren't familiar, American perimeter trail, just like the one sentence version 14,000 miles mm. that circumnavigates mm -hmm. the U.S., and you've been working on this. It's your life's work. And I've seen you posting a lot on Instagram where you're in Florida. So mm -hmm. had you did you add that as part of the American Perimeter Trail, or what, what was your business down in Florida? Why are you walking the, the length of Florida, all those swamps? Yeah, it, it is a lot of swamps. You're right. Uh, and so – my work down there, uh, you know, I always kind of have this interesting approach where I like to make observations, but I like to do them in person. Mm -hmm. I prefer to have the experience that I'm uh, suggesting other people have. Sure. So 
You know, I'm not one who sells things that I don't use. I, I don't really sell anything, but I also, you know, don't like, I'm not trying to sell people on something that I wouldn't do. And so while I was in Florida, I made a series of conservation reports. And this is essentially picking out the route for the American Perimeter Trail. And we will be using, you know, shared footbed or swamp bed uh, with the Florida Trail as well. So to answer your question, like my business there was to collect as much information because job number one for me, and it has always been, is like as a conservationist, and then I do this backpacking thing because I believe that the two of them work very nicely in, in tandem with each other. And I didn't come up with that idea. There's others, you know, that have this approach to conservation. Sure. And so I'm very happy with the information that I was able to obtain while I was there. And yes, uh, the the American Perimeter Trail goes through Florida, the okay. entirety of, of Florida now. Now, while so, you while you were down there, did you have any interesting alligator experiences? Yeah, I, that's kind of what I want. That or pythons? <laughs> did you have any pythons? pythons yes, apparently they're invading Florida. Yeah. Black Panthers. I mean, I, I mean, I don't see how it would have been possible to do certain parts of the Florida Trail or uh, sections that I did as well um, without that. You know, awesome. so, so I mean, the easy answer is absolutely, uh, yeah. The alligators, like, I didn't have anything. Um, it's not that I wasn't scared at times and especially at night in water. What? Cause that's the time when alligators are most active and that's when they feed. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you can easily see them, uh, above water. It's you, you have no idea if they're beside you, if they're underwater, but their eyes are reflective like most wildlife. So your headlamp, you can, you can see them if they're on the surface, but if they're not, you, just you have no idea it's not like a guessing game um and i uh there are pythons uh they are not native to that area they do have an open season on them uh, yeah and and i didn't kill any um i didn't kill any pythons uh the thing i guess like the alligators were definitely unnerving and i'm not trying to be cavalier about this I don't think anyone's super comfortable with like going through swamps with like waist deep water and seeing alligators around you. And there's no, there's nowhere to go. Like there's right, not, right. it's not like there's dry land right there and you just hustle to it. It's not like running to the shore from a shark. There's right, no yeah. shore. Like you're just, you're kind of in their territory. Um, I, I think, I mean, hundreds of alligators, maybe a thousand. I have no idea. Lots. Uh, and then I guess the other thing that I ran into a lot was water moccasins. And so Ooh. I had a close, I had, I had the most close calls with, uh, with the cottonmouths rather than the alligators. And wow. uh, there were a couple of times where it was, it was very close. I was walking on top of a levee with two canals on either side and, uh, it, it was like getting dark and I just kept on hitting 
like water moccasin after water moccasin on the trail. Like every quarter mile, there's a water moccasin. And I um, was like, what is, what is going on here? And I normally wouldn't have my headlamp on hiking. I don't, I don't use it a lot of times at night, not because I'm tough or I think that's the way you should do it. It's just, I often will forget, like I'll have it on my head and forget that it's not on. Um, I see you pretty well. And so maybe that's part of it, but I had to definitely put my headlamp on because I would have been stepping on them. I could see the trail fine. I just couldn't see them. And so you would be proud of me, Jeremiah, um, <laughs> because I did this even without a beard. So there's hope for you. Uh, <laughs> Nicely but, done. That's fantastic. But, that's fantastic. Okay. But I'm not saying like, okay, I, I was like, stroking my like uh soul patch yeah a little bit so maybe you need to try that jeremiah yeah just a suggestion yeah you know if your lady loves you because it's not easy like i know it's not easy to love people with soul patches <laughs> it's, I, it's not put that really on not. a mug like, yes like, <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's difficult it makes it difficult on everyone. It's not fair to your family or to your children, right? But it's like you do have to express yourself in life. So people forgive you. Anyways, if she loves you that much, she'll deal with a soul patch at least for a couple years. She can see your, you can see your jawline with, with a soul patch. Yeah, yeah so. you can see your jawline. Yeah, and Jeremiah has such a nice – Yeah, you know, you got a pretty jaw. Yeah. Look at well. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Drew, I got I got to okay. tell you about a conversation yeah. that Jeremiah and I had about you before you got on. We were like, is it just us or does it look like every time Rue takes a picture, he looks like he's trying to seduce you? Oh, we got like <laughs> it's. It, I, I I told him I said I kind of think you're the Zoolander of backpackers because you've got this like really good like model face that you make when you're taking your pictures your photo genius, i don't know how you do it i wish i could look like that i know i can't pull it off like you pull it off every time every time you take a picture i'm like it looks like he knew the camera was coming and was ready and just, you were shooting <laughs> at everybody yeah okay all right so sometimes i'm instructed so i just take instructions so there, there is that like um like this one photographer told me once he was like Look at me like you want to attack me. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I gave him, you know, like the laser eyes. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, tone it back. I was like, that's what you asked for. Man. too much. He was almost like, he was like scared. And I remember one being like, uh, you look like you're angry. I'm like, I'm smiling. Like, you look angry. And, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not trying to seduce you guys. Um, <laughs> well, dude, your Instagram I game. Be, Go I, ahead. I don't know if I should be flattered right now or concerned. Totally maybe, flattered. Maybe both. Your Instagram okay. game, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I remember well, whenever we got a ton of comments, guys. Okay, we got a ton go of ahead. Comments. Go ahead, John. We make sure we get some of these in here. But uh, they started early. Uh, first one was just for Jeremiah. Awesome video today, Jeremiah. Grayson oh. Highlands looked beautiful. Thank you, Hogan uh, Outdoors. Pizza Ninja got the poop talk started early. Rue has some awesome poop stories. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> then uh, Doc Watson says he puts Forrest Gump to shame with the miles he walks. Yes. Which, I mean, you think about it. I, be, I think you've walked more miles than Forrest Gump. Uh, Jeff Peters <laughs> says, Rue is the greatest guest of this podcast. Nobody better. 
That's high praise <laughs> from Jeff Peters. How about that one right there? Then uh, let's see. Oh, we got Jeff Peters again. He, he said, uh, will the next APT shelter be called Apple Bag? Oh, and, no. Oh. And, well, there's another Did I one tell you that. guys that? <laughs> and, and then Martin Welsh no. said, I'm voting for Fairwinds Hostel. Oh, yes, the Fairwinds. That'd be good. And then Tangent Trails got on here and just said, hey, if you're not already a member of the American Perimeter Trail, please consider joining. The APT is where it's happening. And then, and then Doc Watson said, Great. pythons and allig alligators would make a poop story for me. And the final comment is, is uh, now there's no chance Outdoor Beards is sponsoring Rue. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I do have my Outdoor Beards uh, shirt on today. Look at that. Shout out Outdoor Beards. Uh, yeah. Looks great. Yeah. Now, now Rue – you probably more than anyone know about like hiking rules and trail rules and things like that from all over the place. Cause you've mm -hmm. hiked in a lot of places. Well, we're going to do a little segment tonight. We've not really done one of these with you before. So we're going to do a little segment. And I actually have, have dedicated this segment to all my friends from Wisconsin, my friends like Miyagi and trips on the trail and Dan Becker and those guys, cause they're good friends. And so we simply have called this segment. Hey there guy. What do you think? So basically what we're going to do right now, I'm going to give you some interesting hiking facts. I actually found these from the website, thetravel.com. This was a, an article called Weirdest Hiking Trail Rules. And I just want to get your opinion on these rules that I found online, if you're down for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the first one is, is simply titled, No Stupid Hikers. Okay? <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> there's a lot of stupid hikers so it, it, this is this is what it reads it says in phoenix arizona a councilwoman wanted to push for a law which would ban stupid hikers this would entail any hiker who requested emergency help due to their own negligence and would be charged a fine the idea was that people who failed to be responsible when hiking would get a charge to fee for being rescued and was supposed to be a way to encourage people to be more responsible when hiking and the example that they use of a stupid hiker was someone who did not bring water and then dehydrated. While it's certainly not a wise idea to forego water in the burning inferno that is Phoenix, the law was criticized for fear it would result in less people calling in for emergency out of fear of getting charged. <laughs> so what is your thoughts or what are your thoughts on stupid hiker laws? As a professional okay. backpacker. All right, so so we know what changes human behavior. It's been done through gas taxes. It's been done through cigarette taxes. The wallet is what changes people's behavior. Like it's That's been true. shown in study after study. So they're on to something there. But I think like even more so than the money is the public shaming. Like mm -hmm. I don't even know that it's like I'm not even sure. Um, that people are going to care as much about the money, just like if they put their name in the newspaper or something. Uh, but, ah, uh, geez, I, I don't know. I don't know what's the best way to address this. <laughs> I would say that I do have, I do have friends that call me the revocator because I just like to do it for fun. Like, um, look at their shoes or something and be like revocation. <laughs> 
levitation. <laughs> you know, or they'll be like, you know, it's such a beautiful day out today. And I'm like, you're revoked. Revocation. No more weather comments for 20 days. So, I mean, I don't think I'm going to do that with strangers, but it's kind of fun to think of someone doing that. Like, revocation. Stupid hiker. I like it. And, Could you imagine uh, getting on social media like the next week and somebody found the article and then posted it for the whole world to see? <laughs> and you see your name pop up because you did something dumb out on trail? Oh, I mean, I have mine coming. Because uh, I have, remember, I have a film crew that follows me from time to time. So, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, geez. I think they might shine some light on some stupidity. Oh, so... You know, I typically use map and compasses because I make I make my own routes, and that that's just how I started doing that years ago when I hiked the Triple Crown before, like when that was the best. You know, like that was that's what you had to use. So, um, so I don't like pride myself on being Mister Navigating Man, but obviously, like I know how to do that, and uh, I'm with the film crew. Oh, you know. This is the first day working with these folks. I don't know them. They've invested a lot to come out into the backcountry with me. They've traveled a long way to get there. And I can't even find my way onto the route because a fire came through the week before. Oh, no. And, and there's just trees down everywhere. And I'm just like, oh, no, I don't even know how we're going to get through this. And I'm feeling bad because they have equipment. And then, Oh no, this is, this is really bad. So I might as well just tell myself now, cause it's going to come out. So, um, I, uh, we walk for like an hour or so and I have been on this trail. Uh, what was left of the trail I've been on before, like several times, like I know it. And I took us in a big circle. Like we ended up, we ended up back where we started and now had to hike through a good part of the night. Um, Did you tell them this was just a loop trail that you were testing out for the trail to see if there's something you wanted to add to it? You know, I, I, oh man, I was thinking about how to lie my way out of it. And I just, I, they caught the whole thing on tape. Like, and I'm just, I'm just there. I'm just there like. Going like, oh, like I don't know how this happened. Uh, we had to meet someone with batteries that night at camp. We rolled in like after midnight. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna say you got the voice lost out there. That is crazy, uh, dude. And so I mean, just imagine you've like made this investment. You've come all this way to be with this guy, and this is how he's showing up. Like right away. Oh, that's great. Oh my God. I, uh, yeah. So I'm glad I just told on myself there. So now, you know, it happens, but sometimes it happens on camera. No it stupid okay, hackers. So, so next, <laughs> next, next rule, next law. Are you ready for this one? This yeah. one's all the way from Norway, believe it or not. Oh, oh one of my and, favorite places. And international. This is entitled Norway roaming. And uh, basically, in Norway, you are basically able to roam around anywhere you like. The only rules are remaining some distance when residing near someone's inhabitants, being respectable to, or being respectful towards nature, and maintaining some reasonable campfire rules. 
there's something warming and peaceful about being able to go around anywhere you would within a country. You can even forage freely for foliage and fish. So basically, it's it's like no man's land. It's just like, just go, have fun. Go do your thing. What, what are your thoughts uh, on that? <laughs> okay, so I mean, there's still squatter rights in Holland. Yeah. You know, like in Holland, I can go to a farm and just give the farmer a notice and say, um, I'm going to live on this piece of your land and uh, I'm going to make some improvements over there. And they say, yeah, okay, that's the law. So, I mean, it's kind of culturally informed. Wow. And, uh, like, it, you know, the farmer doesn't have a recourse and they're not, it's just, that's how it is, you know? So, and culturally that mixes with their ideas, their values. And so it's very difficult for like, because if I, <laughs> I feel like that's appropriate for Norway. I feel like that fits in with their culture. It's difficult because like I'm an American. So then it's like, am I suggesting that's how it is in America? I walk through Texas and I don't know if that's a good idea, folks, if you want to do that. I mean, the people in Texas were great, but it's, you know, it's privately owned. And so I re was very respectful there because I think there's consequences of that. But, uh, Ooh, wow, that's a tough one. You know, in America, I don't, I don't think that flies. I, I don't think it does. Um, but with that being said, like coming from a perspective of making the American Perimeter Trail or hiking it, it sure would have been nice, like times out there just to know like, oh, I'm safe. I'm okay here. I'm not going to get woke up in the middle of the night by like the Herden brothers driving around their pickup truck shooting stuff. <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I mean, I'm glad I can laugh about that now. Um, but it's like, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like a different, it's culturally different. So, um, whenever we go to make the Norway perimeter trail, uh, <laughs> looks like there's not going to be a lot of obstacles there. So you just, just start hiking. You're good to go, man. You can just zigzag <laughs> through the whole country. You don't just, have to like go around the perimeter. You call yeah, it the uh, I mean, Norway zigzag trail. The Norway zigzag trail. Oh it's my! Ready to go. They yeah. do they yeah. do stuff uh, so unique in Europe. I can't wait to head over there this summer. But I was watching this show <clears throat> on Netflix. It's called Inside the World's Toughest Prisons. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Well, basically, there's a film crew and a dude that he was in jail for like 12 years, proved his own innocence. He was in prison, not jail. And then he's been released, and now a documentary crew or whatever follows him around. They make a TV show. And uh, he stays inside of prisons in different parts of the world for like a week or a week and a half or whatever. And they film him the whole time, and he's got bunk mates and everything. So they've done several prisons in the U.S., but they've been all around the world. And like the prisons around like Norway, Sweden, Finland, like it's so unique. It's nothing like the prisons here. It's like some of them are like nicer than hotels that I stay at. You know, you still don't have your freedom, but I guess what, like what you're saying about the culture, it really depends on the culture and how they live just every day in their normal lives. That's how they base their yeah. rules. It's a different perspective of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, so it's just, you know, I come up against these questions 
and I speak with leaders in the conservation community, I mm -hmm. was lucky enough to meet with Jim Kern, the founder and creator of the Florida Trail while I was in Florida. He, oh, wow. you know, he was very gracious to have, have a meeting with me and, uh, you know, he gave me a copy of his book and I asked him to sign it for me. And, but, but besides that, we had a really interesting conversation. And so I get to meet with all these different people. It's really important for the work that I do to try to get perspective um, because there is a way of doing things and there is a way of doing things in a meaningful way that takes into account the community in which it serves. Yeah. Well, here's, uh, here's a community for you. I got a community yeah. for you to talk about. Oh, go, oh here American we go. Community. He's like, he's like, he's like, let's get this piece oh, done. Here. Let's, let's get go. this next one going. This is great. This is great. I got to hear what you think about this one. This one was simply titled, don't give booze to a moose. Um, <laughs> While it's important, um, while hiking in Alaska, you might spot a moose and then you might have an uncontrollable urge to crack a cold one with said moose. But unfortunately for you, it is illegal to do so. Giving a moose any sort of alcohol is illegal within the state of Alaska and is considered an offense. Likely, this is because you are endangering this animal by doing so. It seems like someone did not figure that out because the state had to make a specific law for it. Additionally, like bears, moose are very dangerous creatures and likely more so when wasted. So what are your thoughts on not giving booze to moose? Oh, you know, there's probably certain people that shouldn't have booze. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're a moose, it's cold. Life's hard. <laughs> Preach! Preach! Um, that moose needs a big old know, thick logger, doesn't to he? Put a, it's like there has to be some kind of like, uh, well, there has to be like something mutually beneficial there. Okay. So humans come in, they make trailheads around your habitat. They like encroach on your habitat. They dream, they drain wetlands where you get all your food from, you know, you're trying to swim in a lake, eat a bunch of algae. There's like yahoos, like you know, from wherever, like in their canoes and throwing fishing lines over you and stuff. So I say, let them have beer. <laughs> let the yeah. moose drink. I mean, it's the least you can do, really. Yeah, I think you're right I about just, that. Yeah, not all the time, but like we could have like moose Milwaukee Mondays. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or a Thirsty Thursday. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Now, yeah, I like but. That. But it has to be like, you shouldn't give, don't give Moose the beer. Just let it out for them. They know what to do. Yeah, and give him something nice. Nobody wants a PBT, like, or PBR. Nobody wants a PBR. Like, get, get him something nice. They've, they've been No, that's why they're angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they're stressed out. I mean, it's, it, that's why it says in there that they're, like, mean and angry like bears, but that's part of it. I mean, do you see the crap bears have to eat? Yeah, cocaine. Yeah. I hear they, I hear cocaine. Is that true? Bears eat cocaine? That is true. Okay, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Okay. Guards and die. <laughs> oh, my. I, I read a story about that years ago. Um, I found out yesterday that there's a movie. Yeah. But but I think is the but the movie, I think, might be fictional. No, yeah, all the movie's very fictional because literally the bear, oh. 
like ate an entire bag of cocaine. Like a kilo. Like spiked out and then took off running about 100 yards down a trail and just keeled over dead from a massive heart attack. Yeah, like, that really did happen. That was the whole story. So they oh, kind of okay. turned it into this thing, got massively high, and started going on a rager all over town. Oh, and no. So like, oh, no. Yeah, so oh, yeah. come on. Hollywood. I hear it's good, though. People say that you're supposed to go watch it in, in a group, and it's it's a pretty good movie. Well, let me ask you if you guys have heard this before. Somebody just posted a, a comment, and I want to get your all's opinion on it. Right. This is Sean R., and he says, Moose get drunk off fermented apples. No way. Have you heard this before? I have. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and like it, you know, when they have a grizzly issue in Montana, in the small towns, they'll often have like a sow come in with cubs and stuff. They're usually hanging out at the apple tree. Really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I mean, like they've had to remove apple trees from communities just because the grizzlies come in and eat the fermented apples, and uh, there's natural yeast that exists in the apples right so if you have sugar and you have yeast in the same place like you do with a rotting apple mm. you also have alcohol you have hard cider i so googled hard it cider. you have hard yeah. cider it says um, uh, unlikely hiker she, she would know this is someone who would know about moose she said the moose are oh, angry yeah. because hikers are only sharing pbr so <laughs> she's up north proof. i was right. right about that i was right that's right that. i googled yeah. it john I, Yes. It said, recently there have been several reports. This is from 2017, though, from islandpress.org. There's been several reports of moose that apparently became drunk after eating too many fermented crab apples in Alaska and piles of fermenting apples in Sweden. So these are, this is not just a this regional thing. a worldwide thing. epidemic. Worldwide epidemic of drunk moose. So we need to start it, AA for moose. Yeah, maybe we do It's a real need. problem. It's a real problem. <laughs> guys, guys, we need to, like, look out for them. I mean, this is a real issue. So you would um, think that I think, I think I found I think I found my calling in life. I'm going to help moose like uh, get the monkey off their back, you know. But they're huge. Maybe, maybe the law's correct. Wouldn't yeah. the wouldn't their livers be massive? Wouldn't you think that a moose would just have a massive liver so it could drink a lot of beer before intoxicating effects? You know that's anthropomorphizing moose. You know they don't. <laughs> they're not human beings. They don't feel like us, you know, um, and they don't even get like buzzy happy. Apparently, no. they just go straight to rage. They're angry. So angry drunks. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's no nobody likes an angry drunk. Okay, so last one. Let's get to this last one because this one actually, this one actually is one where like some people might get hyped up about this one, and and it's entitled "Don't Kick Karens." And and if you're listening online, it's not K A R E N S. Okay, it's C A I R N S. We're not talking about kicking women who complain a lot. We're talking about these piles of rocks that people make on trails. So the article said, Karens are palm-sized rocks stacked atop each other. They are commonly found on hiking trails, but is not unusual for hikers to have no idea what they do. Like the child who always knocked over your block tower as a kid. Some hikers find satisfaction in knocking these stacked stones over. While it may seem like a harmless thing to do, these stones are more than just aesthetic. Or aesthetic. They are actually used to mark trails and keep people on the right path. When people knock these over, they're risking the chance of getting people lost, so try to be mindful of them in the future. I know some people that hate rock Karens, and they knock them over on purpose. Yeah, because, I mean... 
So the flip side of that is you will go to certain areas where there's Cairns going everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, someone came up there and was like, oh, this leads back to this specific spot I want to go to. It doesn't mark the trail. It marks like this drainage that I went. Yeah. A campsite yeah. or something. Um, so wh- why do people hate Cairns? I don't know. But I mean, I know we've done we've done shows on here, and I've seen comments of people saying I hate Rock Cairns, mm. and I knock them over every time I see them. And so, like, some people just really have a thing against Rock Cairns. So. Yeah, and if you look at the Facebook groups, like the hiking Facebook groups, Cairns is a hot topic. I think the most common thing. <laughs> I mean, it is hot, dude. And you know how arguments are on Facebook. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah, they're I way think- worse on Facebook <clears throat> than real life. Yeah, and I think that what people's deal is, is like the disturbing of the habitat. I think most people are thinking, I'm in the Smoky Mountains, and my kids are playing in the creek, and they build a cairn. Or like, you know, we're hiking out on a trail, and that disturbs the natural habitat. I think most people aren't thinking that I'm in the Colorado Rockies, I'm above the timberline, and there's literally no trees, and there's no posts to mark the trail, so they build cairns. I think that that's uh, more where the hate comes in is the destroying some natural habitats. I don't know. What do you think, Rue? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a leave no trace trainer mm-hmm. certified. <laughs> so my professional opinion is don't make Karen's just don't do it. Yeah. I don't know if you have to knock them over. Uh, I've definitely done volunteer work where you're dismantling fire pits all the time, you know, on the Appalachian trail, they're full of garbage. And, you know, the idea is to try to keep it as wild. And, you know, it's like uh, Theodore Roosevelt looking out across the Grand Canyon for the first time. And he says, uh, leave it alone. No need to touch it. Uh, it, uh, you know, it'll only be marred by the mark of man. Uh, of course, then they built the national parks and parking lots over all that, what he was talking about, but <laughs> yeah. that's another story. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I don't know. I guess that's the safe bet. You know, I don't think I'm going to, I've got bigger fish to fry, I guess, um, that, oh, geez, I don't know, guys, leave it the way you found it, I guess, and uh, just try to have fun and I, I'm I'm going through this process now where I'm trying to take myself less serious because I've been taking myself pretty serious for a while now, and it feels good to just kind of relax and and uh, do what part I can in the world. And yeah. and uh, so I don't know. There's going to be moose drinking beer sometimes. Sometimes there won't be. There's going to be cairns if you take them apart and you you know reestablish the aesthetic good on you you know um yeah well i do so. know when i hiked mount kilimanjaro they had to have the karens the karens were the markers sure um, going up kilimanjaro and i think is it the i gotta make sure i get this right is it the uh oh what's the the height the you went to trail that you went highline trail isn't that marked by karens in a lot of the mm. open areas mm-hmm. i think so i think right. there's there's some trails where they're Mm-hmm. They didn't want to paint things and they didn't want to leave markings, so they did the rock cairns instead. Um, yeah, for some of those. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of some of it's in the eye of the beholder. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, and so what looks like maybe an ugly Karen to one person looks like something kind of neat on the treadway and what looks like a stupid Karen now, 300 years from now might be a historical marker. Yeah. Know? Right. I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. So <laughs> speaking of historic markers, I was on your Instagram kind of stalking you today, just kind of looking for some things to talk about tonight. And I, I ran across a post of yours. I can't believe I haven't seen it before. You have been wearing New Balance 410s for mm -hmm. 20 plus years. Like most backpackers, like I'm wearing the Ultra Lone Peak 4.9732s and I've got the <laughs> Hoko One Ones and I've got, you know, everybody's got these like $200 trail runners and you're going, yeah, mine costs like 35, 40 bucks. And, yeah. Uh, it, it, so talk about that a little That I think it's really encouraging for some people. There's probably people on here going, I want to know what Rue hikes in because he's yeah. a professional through hiker. And then it's all of a sudden like, yeah, I wear the ones that you buy at Kohl's, you know? So like, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Well, I, I mean, I have been blessed to be able to use what I, what I want to, and that's what I choose to wear. And uh, honestly, they're, the last like four years or so a lot of my gear is provided for me and um i like some of it uh some of it i don't i kind of have a, an opinion for some of you coming in uh just try to have some fun uh, learn what you can but experience is vital and so don't you know i don't think you i don't think it's helpful for your time in researching what you should be wearing should be longer than the time you actually spend outdoors wearing it. Because mm -hmm. I think you might be, like I think the balance isn't gonna work for you there. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll get a little bit too concerned about things that aren't really gonna matter in the field as much as like sexy or cool um, or they look cool. So I think like my advice would be, um, again, like don't take yourself too serious. Um, and there is a variety of products that will work out there for you. Um, like in other sports, like let's say bowling, okay? Um, if you're starting to bowl, you've never really bowled before. Maybe you've gone on a couple of like, church bowling things when you're growing up but you're like have this motivation to really get into bowling don't go buy the thousand dollar ball <laughs> right you know <sighs> buy a starter ball and uh let your experience inform what you actually want so when you get to a point that you want to invest a little bit more you get what you want instead of like just having to you know return stuff because it wasn't like it was expensive, so it should have been perfect for me. And then I actually didn't like it as I as I used it more and looked at what other people were doing. So yeah, the New Balance, same New Balance. I don't have um, any interest in really changing those out. Uh, and that's for um, for me. That's for backpacking and like most of my hiking. Now I might wear something different for running um, or for other sports. But as far as that, I've been wearing the same pair of shoes. I have worn other shoes, but I haven't found really a reason. It's just one of those things. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. I, yeah. And I actually used to make 
all of my own gear. So, you know, I would go on a 3000 mile hike or something and I would have made my clothes and my hats and my um, tent and my backpack and my sleeping bags and my quilts and my stove and just like, you know, I didn't make my shoes, but I made most of everything else. Like I made everything by hand. Mm. So um, I come from that background of doing that. Like, you know, uh, that's how I outfitted some of my long hikes 20 years ago. And then I haven't done much of that the last couple of years because I'm never really in the front country long enough to like take on doing those kinds of projects. And also like I get my stuff provided for me too. So I do a lot of gear modification. I rarely ever get something without having to modify it in some way. And that's not saying it sucks. <laughs> that's just like, I, I know what I like and what's going to work for me. Yeah. I'm just personalizing it. And um, so I just wouldn't get too hung up. I, I went with, I was with someone at a store once and they wanted to buy a sleeping bag and I wasn't really there to give input. You know, I, it seemed like they knew what they wanted, but they were just getting started into backpacking and uh, they were looking at something and I was like, Hey, look at, you know, look at this one. This looks great. And uh, you know uh, like tricks of the trade, like ask them if you can have this one because it's on the floor mm -hmm. and ask them for 40% off. Like, Whoa, this is going to be a still. So yeah. um, they worked that out, but then it was so cheap that they didn't want to buy it because they were like, I'm of the opinion that if it's more expensive, it's better. Mm, yeah. And and they're like, I just can't fight it. They're like, I'm just, I was raised this way. And I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't either. You know, <laughs> you know there's, there's like, there's people, <laughs> there's people that go to dinner parties and brag about um, how much something they bought cost. You know, like how much they spent on a brand new car or a trip they're taking. And it's like important to like for status purposes in those mm -hmm. kind of social settings to like say, look at, you know, I got the best of this or, or what have you. And then there's like people who go to potlucks who like brag about that they got a real still at Walmart or something like that, you know? So it's just a different like way of, of looking at things. And I, I've I just, never really been around rich backpackers. Um, yeah. So a lot of us have to like be careful with our money. For, for well, I just found it encouraging. Course. I just found it encouraging because here you are. You're this guy who just hiked 14,000 miles and you did it on a pair of shoes you don't hear anybody talking about. You know, it was just a fairly inexpensive pair of shoes. And I just found that encouraging for people that are getting started. It's just kind of a nice like, hey, breathe, breathe, breathe in. You're good. Mm -hmm. You don't have to spend 185 bucks on a pair of shoes. Here's a $40 pair of shoes that a guy who just hiked 14,000 miles uses. So be encouraged. You don't have to spend crazy money to go back. Like it's something I try to encourage people. You don't have to spend crazy amounts of money to go backpacking. Yeah. And, and I don't get paid or sponsored for any of that stuff. I'm just telling you. you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's the right thing. If it's that cheap, shoes don't last that long anyways. So try them for a round and then, if you don't like them, try something else the next time. I, I appreciate what you say because I there I forget like what it was like when I first started backpacking. Yeah. And so I often think that like my opinions or views on things really aren't very valuable. Like, you know, so what? You can use whatever. Like, who am I to say one way or the other? But then I forget like 
uh, what it's like to just not like to, to just trying to get a, like a base of understanding yeah. and, and, and work your way through that. And so, uh, and, and then I always get encouraged to like talk more about gear and like my experience with it, which I rarely ever do. Um, but, uh, because I'm like doing this conservation piece, you know, like that's what I'm right, working on. Right, um, right. but, uh, I appreciate that cause maybe it'll encourage me to talk about that in like if that's going to help some people out uh i'd love to be a part of that you know? yeah i think i think it's so. encouraging because like i said some people just get so overwhelmed with the fi the financial investment in getting into backpacking because yeah. you do have to buy gear and so yeah knowing you don't have to spend i mean you're you're spending like a quarter of what a lot of people spend on a pair of shoes yeah i just bought a pair of Hocus. yeah they're 155 yeah. bucks for trail runners yeah and so um so add that up. If you want to start doing some serious distance, that's yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, the APT alone, not even since then, not like, you know, I've, I'm probably into 1500 miles since I finished the APT just since October already. Um, it's like three or four pairs of shoes. Yeah. It's a bunch. It's, it's a lot of pair of shoes. And so, I mean, the APT, I don't know, 20 or 30 pairs. So yeah. thousands, thousands of dollars. I mean, you're looking and, at five just for the Appalachian Trail because usually 350 to 400 miles is what yeah, they say most trail runners are good for. That's a good idea. I mean, and if you, you know, I, I yeah, I'd rather have new footgear than um, making expensive footgear go longer. I think. I think that's yeah. true. Take care of your feet's true. kind of important. It's just yeah, kind of important when you're hiking. I think it's all right. <laughs> you want to talk about and some poop? Like a... What do you say, Rue? Oh. oh, I'm sorry? I see my goldfish drowned. We're, we're getting toward the end of the episode, and it appears that some people are chomping at the bit for some poop. <laughs> 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 so I'm thinking. Literally, here's, here's the post for you. It just literally says pooping. I don't know if they're actually pooping right now while watching this, or he says oh, he's got, got toilet, toilet paper. paper so <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but of, there's kind of terrifying. That's not the only poop comment, and I don't want us to run out of time before we get the chance to uh, ask you about pooping underwater in the swamp. I think they call those floating <laughs> yeah. logs. I'm not sure oh, how that works. Oh. Like I'm not sure sweaty, how the humidity-driven. Yeah. And stories yeah you said you're an advocate for leave uh, no trace so i'm not sure how those rules work and all that so i figured we'd get into it here at the end of the show okay <laughs> um <laughs> i should have known better um <laughs> so, nice, so there so when you're crossing swamps uh you typically can expect to maybe a, a mile an hour i don't know um maybe that's a maybe because wow. it's a lot of effort to push through the water. Yeah. And like I said, it's not an option just to be like, oh, there's a piece of dry land there. Um, I'm going to take a break. Like if you take breaks, you have to do them standing up. Because so like you're from morning to night, if it's a long stretch, you're going to be eating lunch standing. You won't have sat down the entire day. You'll just be in water. Because you're no, knee deep. There's really, there's no place to sit down in. Yeah. So I seen a guy, so second chance it, hiker. He was he was taking a break, and he literally was having to sit like up to his chest in water 
just because he he wanted to sit down. There's like nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, um, I mean, I guess I think the okay. I try to watch my mouth here. Um, I guess the good news is if you crap your pants, the cleanup isn't as bad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Oh, like, that's tough, you know, man. It's not like it's all, it's Walk not really swamp. like all, yeah, it's not really all down. It's kind of self-cleaning. I mean, if you think about it, um, with the alligator grass in there all around you, um, it's kind of like, I mean, when you go through an automatic, uh, car wash. Yeah. So the best option at that point really is to just lose the pants, um, you know, protect your vitals down there how mm-hmm. you choose and uh just walk through and let the swamp just it's the same thing as a drive-through um like car, car wash, wash. Really. let the swamp cleanse yeah. you and clean you yeah that's yeah. so disgusting kind of freeing actually it kind of sounds very <laughs> oh no, it's nasty and- Swamps are so nasty, no. man. Stinky, stagnant no, water. I'm sorry, it's I can't appreciate Jeremiah. the beauty. It's Jer- Jeremiah. It's nature. It's nature. Man. Natural. I, I did. Okay, I did have a sec. Okay, I wasn't going to tell you guys this, but here it goes. Uh-oh. Here um, we go. I did. <laughs> <laughs> so besides just letting the swamp like cleanse, you know, there's all kinds of cleansing rituals through all kinds of spiritual and religious traditions. Sure. So just let the swamp come in and then just cleanse your spirit. Um, but I did like, I did. Oh God. Okay. I, I, it was hot. Okay. I was in Florida. I had to get water from this one spot. I didn't realize it. I've been in water all day. And I had to pee really bad. So I peed. And as soon as I was done peeing, I realized that's where I had to get There's my more water. to this. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's where I, yeah. Oh, then I man. Was just like, I, I was like, I can't believe you. I seriously cannot believe you just did that. Like, well, I, urine's pretty sterile, I was right? kind of at a loss. I know, but it's like one of those, <laughs> I Anyway, so I managed it, you know, like I was going to drink water one way or the other, but it's not the worst thing ever, but I, it's not best practice. So I've been told. Yeah. Um, <laughs> always been told. Well, like there was a question on here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, question about they what? were asking is, is that leave no trace? What the, the swamp <laughs> cleaning you? <laughs> the swamp cleaning. The swamp cleaning. Is. Right is. Does that leave no trace? <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, well, the important... <laughs> You're not going to get any judgment from us. Don't worry. Uh, okay. It depends on where you are. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and so, like, there's actually places, like, for instance, along the Colorado, if there's only a small bank to put two tents and people are using that camp every night, they tell you to piss in the river. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dilute, not pollute. Um, is like the saying. So like, they'll tell you just to pee right in the river because it'll dilute itself. But if you pee on that little bank where everyone camps there every single night, that's a lot of, it just becomes a a piss island. It smells horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, there's, so there's some I, other comments here for you about your story. Uh, no bidets needed in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, um, that your your situation is better than the poop hammock. And oh, nice. uh, the, the final one is uh, poop works good as a as a good alligator repellent. I so feel like it would oh, attract them. Do you think it's a repellent? Yeah, there you go. There you go. We're just little busting out with all fact. kinds of knowledge today, aren't we? <laughs> I, this is kind of all you needed to know. Um, That's it. That's some it. Cheap, some some cheap sneakers. Um, yeah, poop on yourself. You know, take your. <laughs> yeah, don't don't let <laughs> just poop. <laughs> yeah, pee in rivers. Uh, if anybody wants to start backpacking, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say just listen to this episode. This is gonna teach you everything you need to know about backpacking. You'll be ready to hit the trail. Everybody will look up to you. one episode Rue never tells anybody about. <laughs> no, I actually wasn't on well, this time. Um, that was a big joke. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, and also, oh, and so, even, Rue, why don't, why don't you yeah. tell people where to find you? Like, how to find out more about the American Perimeter Trail and uh, follow your adventures, all that kind of stuff. Can you just kind of share that information with people here as uh, we start oh, to find this down? Yeah, I have... Oh, there's so many great things coming up that I want to talk to you guys about, but I just am not a p- position to do it right now. Um, but I do want to let you know that uh, I am releasing the route, and you're going to see it on your hiking apps. Oh, uh, nice. Th- I did create the GPX file with a cartographer and a geographer. So um, so we're really excited about that. Are you um, excited for your first thru-hiker that's not you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What's your timeline? Yeah, for, what's your I, I don't, I don't know public? what her name is, but yes, I'm excited. So what's your timeline uh, for making that GPX data public? Is that going to be in the next uh, year? I, 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 I will let you guys know. Okay. Just, <laughs> That's fair. I'm not going to, Oh, this, did you ask this year? Yeah. yeah you think year. it'd be in the next year okay. or so? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, soon. That's awesome. So that's exciting. So that's exciting. Um, and uh, other than that, like there's a lot of work to be done. I will be doing some more scouting here. Uh, the route is just awesome. I think it brings so many different trails together. It brings so many new opportunities, like what I did in Florida with coming up with a new route. Um, and uh, but in the meantime, oh, and there's some like interesting stuff coming where you're going to see us out in some different places and some different media here in the spring. So that's coming. You'll know about it. We'll let you know. Uh, and other than that, if you want to be part of the community and it's important for you to create this conservation corridor, you can join us at AmericanPerimeterTrail.org. And there um, you can become a member. And we've tried to set that up for you that you don't have to pay all at once if, if you don't want to. Uh, also, uh, we created a social media piece for that. So you can actually go on there. We just released this last week. So you can actually go on there and make a profile just like you would on your favorite social media. And then you all can talk to each other. You can oh, friend sweet. people. You can do whatever. It's just within the community. And um, so really excited about that. So find us there. My social media that you guys look at, just keep in mind, it looks like the American Perimeter Trail, but it actually is just my personal. So, like, there's stuff that's on there that I wouldn't put on 
something more official. And so if you want to look at the American Perimeter Trail social media, that's on Instagram. Uh, we're on TikTok. Um, we're on Facebook at American Perimeter Trail. The website's got a new map coming up. And when we release the GPX information, um, you will have the full interactive map on the website as well. So, That's awesome. You know, That's everyone awesome. has everyone has put a lot of time into this. We're just only getting started. You know, it's it's one of those situations really it's really going to take a village. And uh, I just thank everyone for everything they've contributed and all the work people have put into this so far. And we it's definitely a milestone for us. This is a really exciting time for us. And I hope you take the ride. That's great. That's great. I, can, I can't wait to hear like. I'm looking forward to when the uh, the GPX gets out and you start hearing about all the people starting to make their plans to do it. Yeah. And see who the folks yeah. are that really – because, I mean, you've got to, to take this one on. It's, it's a, a major commitment. So it's going to yeah, be interesting I, I, to see the people that go after it. I get asked about it all the time, but then I – I don't know. Yeah. It's a serious <laughs> deal. I mean, yeah. you should take your time to kind of consider something like this. Um, because it's, uh, I mean, for me, after uh, over 20 years of, of backpacking and being to, you know, just be, being lucky to be, to have the opportunity to backpack in so many places, the APT for me was really next level. Um, it wasn't like anything I ever experienced ever and always like, um, exceedingly beautiful, you know, exceedingly difficult, exceedingly easy. It was just, it's really a, a kind of the whole package. And um, we have a, a member who told me the other day, he said, well, he said, you know, you're the fastest person to ever do it. <laughs> you're, also, <laughs> you're also the slowest person to ever do it. <laughs> Nice. You're the, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're the first person to do it and you're the last person to do it. Uh, and he just started checking off all of these things. So, I, I mean, it, it, it'll be it'll be amazing to see if people are interested in and just know that uh, that wasn't necessarily like um, hasn't been my whole thought process because I yeah. really want this to be for people in their states and in their communities to enjoy. Uh, but with any long trail, you're going to have folks that want to experience it in, in another way. And and uh, best of luck to everyone. Just, well, I'm, uh, I, I'm looking know. forward to finding <laughs> sections of it and just everyone being able to hit parts of it. I don't know that I'll ever in my lifetime be able to do all the miles of it. But to be able to like go out somewhere and say, you know what, I'm going to hike like 40, 50 miles of it, you know, and just be able to say, yeah, I got to hike part of the American Perimeter Trail. That's exciting. I just think it's exciting to be able to do stuff like that. There will be millions of people on this trail every year. Yeah. Uh, just like any of the triple crown trails, uh, you know, the Appalachian trail, there's millions of people on that every year. And then there's a couple, you know, there's a thousand or 2000 people that through hike it. So like, um, I'll be really impressed. My hat's off to you, you know, if you decide to do this, but my heart was always in the millions, mm -hmm. you know, people who want to be connected and have and relate to their areas, their their wildland areas, 
in that way and maybe just don't have access to it now or uh you know there's not a trail in place or the land simply is you can't just go up and pass through it like you can in norway right right yeah so uh you know these are the people that that i've thought about and um if there's some crazy people out there that want to go for a go for a real journey you know have at it uh we'll we'll all be watching so um it's you know it's always from a a heart space for me and uh and i feel very blessed to i almost feel like i got chosen mm-hmm. you know that's and awesome. I, and I don't really know how to explain it more than that, but yeah, yeah, I just it feels like I got lucky. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. I I think about like and and Jeremiah probably agree with me on this. It's like when you're hiking somewhere and you happen to hike on the Appalachian Trail for a few miles of your hike. Mm. Yeah, like your whole you're doing like a loop trail, but the Appalachian Trail crosses that, and you hike on it for a while. Mm-hmm. There's just something different when you're saying, "Dude, I'm hiking on the Appalachian Trail right now." Yeah, you know, it's just it's just different. And I think when as this grows, there's going to be that same kind of feeling when you're hiking on the APT, you're going to be like, oh, dude, I'm hiking on the APT right now. That's right. This Mm -hmm. is awesome. You know, I I think I'm looking forward to when it gets to that point and it has Mm -hmm. that mystique behind it. And people really get excited about when they hit sections of it. Like you said, the millions, the millions getting out there. Yeah, I, I yeah. You couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, there is a mystique to some of these trails, and it's difficult to describe. But when you experience it, you know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I know. Uh, I remember a, a couple um, who uh, they were in their. I think they were in their nineties, and they weren't hiking anymore. But they sure as hell stopped the car anytime they cross the Appalachian Trail to get out and have their picture taken. And they sure as heck were members of the conservancy that makes that possible mm-hmm. to happen. So because they, though they weren't able to enjoy it the way that they wanted to or that they had at another time in life, they still enjoyed it. It still brought something meaningful to their life. And, um, and it was something that they still wanted to support so that other people could have that same thing and so i can't wait to see those pictures too people yeah. being like we just drove over it <laughs> and That's we had awesome. to stop and eat a sandwich we had to <laughs> <laughs> well Ruth, thank you so much for being on tonight man it's always a joy like seriously we we always end these these with you everybody smiling like it's just like guarantee right. whenever you're on here so thanks again mm-hmm. man if you don't mind hanging out in the green room for a minute and uh we'll close things down we'll come back and say hi for a little bit with you but great uh, and, and fair winds everyone absolutely thanks so much man so jeremiah once again just a wonderful time chatting with rue it's fun man he's been in florida been- i don't know about those gators Keep me away. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the car wash analogy. That that was that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. The the reeds and the grass just kind of taking care of things for you. I will tell you, I yeah, have that'd be nice. It's less work if you think about it. I I'll tell you, we have our first um, t-shirt idea for merch here. This is for what? the podcast. I wrote it what? down. I don't even know about this. Tell me about it. Stop drunk moose. 
I think that would make a good t-shirt. <laughs> Don't you think that'd make a good t-shirt? I'd wear that t-shirt. Stop drunk moose. <laughs> Everybody put your pre-order right now. Stop drunk moose. Dr- drunk moose need love too. Yeah, um, you can make a whole clothing line out of it. Oh my gosh. It's good, man. Well, Jeremiah, as always, this has been fun, man. Yes, this I had a fun. blast, dude. Absolutely. So next week, uh, there is no live stream. Just so no. everybody knows, there's no live stream next week. Uh, we will have a an online episode on Wednesday. So there will be an episode. It just won't be a live stream next week. Uh, Jeremiah's getting ready to go on spring break, so he's going to go down to Florida Ooh. and hang out at the beach. So he heard Rue talking about Florida, got him excited, so he made plans to go down there. Everybody be I jealous. I don't think you're going to be spending time in a swamp, though, are you? I think I'll be in the sandy beaches. That's kind of what I figured. I didn't think Bridget would be too much into the swamps. No, no swamp. So, well, with that said, Jeremiah, for myself and you, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next one. Yeah. Adios, folks. <laughs> <laughs>